if you're looking for some straight-up marketing advice that's super chilled and also a bit of a laugh, then grab yourself a drink and get ready for Marketing and Margaritas, a podcast that makes marketing entertaining. Brought to you by Rebel Nation, direct from regional Queensland. Hello and welcome to Marketing Margaritas. You're with Jade and Alana today and this is episode 16. So today we're going to be talking about getting to know your ideal customer. Um, This is something that gets really easily overlooked when you're in the thick of actually doing business and you're caught in that pattern of reactively servicing whoever walks in the door, Um, especially when you're in that startup phase, man, like you just need clients, whoever they are, you'll work with them, you'll do your best. But once you've been in business for a little while, once you really start establishing yourself, you get to understand that there are certain clients that are just a better fit for you. And that's not just you wanting to make your business the way you want it. It's also that you're going to be a better fit for other people like for some people, and you're not necessarily going to fit everyone. No. Um, so, you know, if when you work with people who are a good fit for you, you're going to give them better outcomes. Whereas if they're not a good fit for you, you could potentially have both you and the client very unhappy in the relationship. So what we're going to be talking about today is proactively looking at who you want to do business with. Um, working with those fun, easy to please, pay on time clients is the absolute sweet spot. You know, that's what we're all trying to get to is working with people who we love working with and who love working with us, who value what we do, you know, not just in a monetary sense, but actually understand the value of what we provide to them. Um, I can think of clients off the top of my head who just how grateful and happy they are to work with us. And I'm just like, dude, we're just doing our regular thing. This is what we do every day. But for them, they're just so grateful. Like for us, they're the best fit for us because they think what we do is exceptional and we think they're freaking amazing. (laughs) So it's, that's the best fit. Whereas those clients who, you know, for whatever reason, and everything's a two way street, you know what I mean? Like just, just if something's a negative client relationship, that doesn't necessarily mean that that client is a douche or whatever. There could have been things going wrong on your side as well. Or you guys might just not have been able to communicate to each other well or whatever it might be. It leads to both parties being unhappy, man. And no one wants that. And like business, I know it's important. It's our livelihoods and stuff, but it can also be really fun. Absolutely. And it sounds corny, but like, there is a bit of a chemistry between you and a good client. Oh, absolutely. You, and you just I, produce better results all around. Definitely. You're happy to go above and beyond. You're happy to do the work. And so is your team. So if you're dragging people into the office every day, day in, day out, mm-hmm. you want them feeling fulfilled, feeling happy and sticking around. So this is a good thing for your whole business, not just for your bottom line. That's it. We all do work so that we can obviously make money so that we can live and stuff, but we also do it to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. And who, you know, doing a good job and being proud of the work that you do, that's, you know, it's an amazing feeling. And it's something that we definitely try to um, have in our business all the time is people working on stuff that actually means something to them, that they feel good about doing, that they're contributing, that they're, um, you know, that they're good at what they do. So obviously we've touched on a little bit about, you know, just there about why you want to be looking for your ideal customer and having an idea of who they are. But really you want to look at why you're doing business. So we're bringing this right back to you to start with. Mm -hmm. So um, why you're in business and who you're out to serve. So an example here that I thought of was like if you're a specialty baker in business selling cakes, why is it 
that you're doing business. So you want to share the joy of special occasions with other people. Baking makes you happy. You love sweet foods. Like who doesn't like cake or an occasion where you sit down and eat cake? That's all good, fun stuff. So um, by knowing what you're passionate about and who you're passionate about, you can excel at doing that each day. So being that specialty baker, I don't like pies. I'm not going to make pies. You don't mm -hmm. have to do everything for everyone. You decide what your niche is and that is okay. That makes better business for you than trying to do everything. Yeah, and that's it. Once you know what that is, then it's finding who are the people that really want that product, who are going to really value that product. Like, not everyone is, like, I'm not a sweets person, so especially, like, I'm not going to pay an extra $100 for a cake because it's specialty versus the Coles chocolate mud cake, cake or whatever it is that everyone gets sort of thing. You know, <laughs> to me, I'm just like, why would you? Um, but, you know, for other people, it's a really important, valuable thing because celebrating those special occasions with cake is a, a really important, um, you know, aspect of a celebration for them. Definitely. I forget the birthday cake for things. So, you know, <laughs> I did mum's birthday recently. There was no cake. There wasn't even sweets. Oh, no. Mum would have loved it. I was going to say, she's not a sweets person. She was fine. There was That's plenty okay. of cheese. That's all we needed. <laughs> <laughs> cheese can make a cake. <laughs> Anyhow, so the next question about this is like, how do you get to know them? How do you get to know the clients that are the right fit for you so you can be creating that that good relationship? Mm -hmm. And finding those right people for your business. Definitely. So you're going to, we're going to talk about target marketing for your ideal client pretty much. Mm -hmm. So we're talking demographics. So you're going to, yes, stereotype. It's okay. It's marketing. <laughs> um, you're going to go, all right, my perfect client for my specialty baker that loves cakes is going to be an age group, say between 25 to 40 talking on gender we're going with women because these are women who are running a household who are organizing special occasion events who you know are making those decisions we're going to look at a location so obviously cakes can't travel in the mail so looking outside the region it's redundant we're mm -hmm. going to focus where we are and that location um and some generational characteristics so generational characteristics are useful to us because um, when people go through similar times in history, they have a predisposition towards certain traits. So when we're talking about generational characteristics, what we mean are things like millennials, baby boomers, um, Generation X, that kind of thing. Those generation things are what ties us together as a generation. Now, not everyone agrees with this. It's like anything with demographics, you know, like Lani was saying, stereotyping, all sorts of stuff. Generational characteristics are just a broad guideline. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that if you're born on this in this year, that you're going to exhibit every single one of these characteristics. What it means is that if you're born in this year, you will go through, and I'll explain a bit more in, um, in a moment, you'll go through certain things that will shape who you are as a person and everyone who was born in that year will go through those particular things. Um, I'm talking big stuff like, you know, the Great Depression, war, uh, GFC, COVID. Yeah. Going through those things at certain times in our lives helps shape the person that we are, the beliefs that we have and, and, you know, certain characteristics. And that's where Generation X, Millennials, all those kind of things come about. Definitely. Um, and so, this is not just something that people pick. This is through research. So, sorry, do you want to say anything? If I was to link that back to our cake example, if we're looking at birthday cakes for, you know, one to five-year-olds or even one to ten-year-olds, they're going to be really sweet, really colourful, you know, um, 
a cake like that. Whereas if we're celebrating grandma's hundredth birthday, it's possibly just going to be a sponge cake with like a straight buttercream icing. Like it's going to be more simple, more um, to her style of what she grew up with through the ages and suited to everyone. So like that, that's where you're looking at the differences. Generations. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why we fall into these generations is because anatomically our brain generally fully matures in our mid twenties, specifically it's your pre frontal cortex that's what fully develops during that time period so half of our adult personality tends to be made up of our experiences from ages 0 to 18 and then the other half comes about between 18 and 25 these are very rough things you know and if for certain things like if you go through um, childhood trauma those kind of things it can stunt your development I know that sounds really terrible but it's just the science of, of how your brain develops so you might develop at a different rate etc so again these are broad guidelines but basically what we experienced during that you know 18 to 25 year old that sorry that 0 to 18 and then that 18 to 25 year old period what happens then segments one generation from another as our adult personality comes to full um, maturity and the 18 to 25 also because that's most often when we move away from parental influence and we start to become more aware of the world around us and our place in it yeah. you know people often say about how you're finding yourself in a everything in your early 20s yes you are you are finding your place in society for most people and so that's when people can get interested in their heritage you know they just want to make sense of who they are and where they fit into the world because they've come through those angsty teen years of no one understands me I'm a special snowflake to being you know early 20s and going actually you know I've you know I'm just a normal person I don't know everything I want to learn more about who I am and, and why I exist and, and all that kind of thing. And so when you go through, so for example, you know, people will say like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, um, we were able to run around and play in the, um, in the streets mud, and stuff. The yeah, exactly. Like we didn't have to worry about cars or strangers and all that kind of stuff. We just, so how you were growing up in that time might give you um, those, how you grew up compared to someone who grows up being on a screen mm -hmm. for most of their playtime, you're, go you're going to develop in different ways. And that's where we get our millennials and everything from is from the way that we've grown up when all of those people around us are pretty much growing up in a very similar fashion, we're going to be different to the next generation that comes after us and the one before us and so on because of what we've experienced while our brain was developing. And so that's where the different trends in your your clientele will appear. So like if my grandma was shopping with you versus my daughter shopping with you, they're, they're going to have different perspectives and experience. So once you work out where that ideal client sits, you can talk to them better. You can go, yeah, I relate to this person. I can give them a better service. This is who I love dealing with. Mm -hmm. You're not going to say no if grandma comes into your shop, no. but you're just going to be aware of, you know, who is your ideal so we can target your marketing around that. That's it. And so these generational characteristics, that's what feeds into what's known as psychographics. So when we say, how do we get to know our ideal client? We've got our demographics, which is like the facts about us the that Lani is going through. And then we've got our psychographics. So this is the beliefs that we have, how we think, how we feel about things. Um, it can be, you know, how we like to communicate, yeah. how we like to 
be market, like how we consume content and marketing. Um, it also is very much about our motivations, especially in marketing. We're looking at people's financial, how they make their financial decisions. decisions. So their decision-making process, their de- um, motivations when it comes to purchases, that there's very much, you know, strong differentiation between the different generations on how they make a decision to purchase, depending on what the product and service is, as well as, you know, like I said, how they like to be communicated to and where they actually consume content. So it's like, where are they hanging out? What pushes them into making a purchase? All those kind of things, generational characteristics can help us to determine that. Yeah. Grandma's going to like to come into the store and talk to you. The younger generation are going to send you a Facebook message if you've got that as a channel for That's ordering. It. They want to be able to book an appointment at 11 p.m. at night whenever they feel. So they want your automated appointment booking system on your website. Yeah. They do not want to call and chat about your services. They will do anything to avoid making that phone call to you. Um, they just want to book in for the appointment so that it's done and sorted. Yeah. So, yes, that's yeah exactly right, Lani. Okay, so... We know we want to look at all this information, but how do we get there? So how do we find that? So if we're a current established business, hopefully, you know, you're already going to have a few favorite clients that you you know that you work really well with and you love doing more work for. Obviously, you can't just go, no, nah, I'm only going to do your work. Send me everything. <laughs> that would be nice. but No, you want to model off of those people. So if you're like, okay, I like working with um, my top three favorite clients, what are the um, commonalities between them? What are the patterns? You know, so it could be very different demographics, very different psychographics. But what you'll find is that when you, and I know it, it, it is, you know, um, stereotyping, but when you start to pair people back to their demographics and the psychographics, you do start to see patterns. Yeah. And that's when you can see, oh, actually, I work really well with um, 20 to 35-year-old males, you know, like whatever whatever your patterns might be. That's where you can start to see who the clients are yeah. that you really prefer working with. Another really good way of doing if you're a current or established business is to actually talk to those what? clients. I know, right? right? So, um, you know, whether you do this face-to-face, like, a, you know, like one-on-one as a phone call or whatever, take them out for lunch, whatever it might be, um, you can do a survey. So we did a survey to regional business owners recently where I was like, this is anonymous, have a complete vent, let loose, let me know your thoughts completely honestly. And it was fantastic. I got so much great data out of that. Also data mining your emails as well to find out more about them. So, you know, if you're looking through inquiry emails and seeing what are the common pain points for people who are coming to you. Um, So you can see then for the ones that convert, so the ones who do become customers, that's when you might talk to them and say, why did you choose us? Yeah. You know, what was, what was your reason for going with us? You know, what thing did you think we could help most with? But then on the other side of that is your long-term ones is asking them, why do you stay with us? Yeah. You know, when there's other providers or we might not be the cheapest, why is it that you keep coming back to us sort of thing? And we, you know, we have such a great working relationship. We just want to find more wonderful people like you to work with. So actually talking to them, surveying them, whatever it might be, that's where you can find out what those psychographics are. But doing the modeling part, looking for those patterns, that's where you can find the more um, demographic information. Yeah. And even if you are 
breaking up with a client or they're breaking up with you because there's been a negative experience and obviously not been your ideal client or the service has just not worked out for whatever reason. That's still an opportunity if you if you have that type of relationship, you might not, but it's an opportunity to ask them, okay, what was your feedback on this? Like yeah, how can 100%. we improve our service? Because mm-hmm. obviously if they're feeling negative, they're going to have some feedback for you. Take it with a grain of salt. It might've just been the wrong fit, no chemistry, but um, obviously there's, there's always room for improvement, no matter how good you are or how long you've been in business. So yeah, asking for for feedback from anyone is good. And that's probably like if someone, you know, if you try and push someone out or if someone leaves and you know why, like probably you already have a bit of an idea. It might just be a matter of doing a debrief yourself on some points. Yeah. Not that you necessarily need to change yourself. If they're not the kind of client that you want, you're not going to change to get them back, but it might just be, it's a useful thing just to do a bit of reflection. Yeah. But if it's someone who leaves and you're, you're surprised. Yeah. I think that's a, you know what I mean? Like if you're like, oh my goodness, we're really sorry to be losing you as a client. We loved working yeah. with you. Why can, you know, no obligation, but I'm just curious, why, what was it that made you go somewhere else? And sometimes it can be as simple as like their expectations versus your expectations and reality of how the job is going to proceed may have been way different. So you're in either scenario. So if you're like, right, okay, if from now on, when we start up this style of job, we send the client a process check sheet so they can see how we're working through and what our expectations are from them Mm. and when we will have stuff done. We're on the same page from the start. That and there might-, might be some people who would never look at that because they don't give a crap. They're like, you're the professional. You're the one who knows what's happening. I don't want to know what's happening. You do what you do. But yeah. there are definitely some people who are like, I would like to know what is happening each step of the way. So they're the ones who would find that useful. Yeah. And so you kind of, like I said, sending it, like so like I said, like Alana said, sending that as an attachment in your email or something like that, they can disregard it if it's yeah. not for them. But if it is for them, that just helps them feel more comfortable because they might be like me and a bit of a control freak about things. Well, and it's not just with our industry. With a lot of service-based industries, it's like how long will this take? Mm. And sometimes that's really dependent on, well, for us, it's really dependent on the client and when they'll get back to us with stuff. But giving them that honest feedback, I think, is the least yeah. you can do. But, yeah. like, if you're booking in with a mechanic to get a job done, I think that's a standard question. How long will this take? If it's, you know, you have a process that the client can see this is what we're going to do and how long, then it's not going to be a shock that it's, oh, it's, it's taken a week. I thought this would take one day. You're mm-hmm. terrible. I hate you. And I'm going to tell everyone this was a terrible situation. And that's like, you know, I love my mechanic because when I go to get something done, his immediate thing when we're talking is like if you can drop it in here I should be able to have it ready for there I don't even have to ask him he is giving that he understands that that is a very common it's my freaking car man I need it so for him and he knows I've got meetings and shit booked in all over the place so Mm -hmm. I've only certainly got windows where I can get someone to take me over to pick it back up so I really do need to know times and I don't even ask he just automatically gives that information to me and that just makes for such a positive um, client interaction for me because I feel he understands my needs meanwhile he probably just does it for fucking everyone and that's it such a small thing Thing, seemingly small can yes. make such a big difference exactly small changes big impact <laughs> <laughs> okay so if you're a new business you're starting out you're just taking any work that's coming your way so you can get your feet on the ground get your hands dirty and going how do you find out who your ideal client is so then you can start breeding those kind of relationships and clients breeding those relationships <laughs> multiplying growing. yeah that's what <laughs> 
<laughs> Sounds weird. All right. Yes, new business. Okay, so this is where um, your social media platforms have really delivered up so much benefit for businesses just starting out. Not only is it a way for you to communicate to people for free and reach, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people every day, but you can also do data mining here. Stockbook. <laughs> Yeah, basically. So for example, you know, Lani's specialty baker, if they were really into doing first um, birthday parties, you know, like they love doing that first birthday cake for them, the personal satisfaction is, and they know people are going to spend more money on the first one because a first birthday party, as opposed to three, you know, you're kind of getting a bit, I don't know, I'm not a parent. I'm assuming you're getting over it by then. I'm over by the first, but whatever. The parents are just as much celebrating that they've survived the whole year. (laughs) having like a child that's it that first one is something special the grandparent you know people come out for the first one and everything too and it's so you know they might spend more on it but they also really value someone doing something special and unique for them so if i was that specialty baker and i just started out in business i'm like okay i'm wanting these kinds of mums and you can't even say young mums because people can have their first kid when they're older and stuff these days as well. So I would be going to, like, for example, in Mackay, we have a Mackay Mums and Bubs Facebook page. Yeah. So these are mums with bubs. Yeah. Going to that page. Talking to other mums. That's it, with bubs. So it's like no matter what age those mums are, so if we take that demographic off the table, we're just looking at females in Mackay. Yep, so we've got those two things. We've already worked those out. Then you can go in there. See what they're saying to each other. What yep. who what are they talking about? What interests them? When, you know, doing a search for like cake baking, does it, you know, recommendations for this, etc. You know, searching for those key terms that are related to your business, then you can start to see what are the things that interest them, what are the kind of things they're looking for, what yeah. kind of service do they want, what do they think about pricing, yeah. you know, what would make it easier for them as far as pick up and drop off, what content are they interested in that you could be putting on your website, on your socials, all that kind of thing to attract those women to your business. So that's what I mean by data mining is going in there and filtering large amounts of data to find those nuggets of information that are going to help you achieve, you know, your like your business goals of and finding your ideal client. Yes. yes. Thank so you. So like you can <laughs> you can see the trend. So if everyone's really into a specific birthday a specific character for first birthdays or a style of cake like say you cut it and all the jelly beans fall out or something like that you can see okay everyone's really into this so I'm gonna focus on that yeah it could be like oh yeah I do those cakes I'm now going to do a reel um that shows that moment of the excitement of when that you know it opens up or I don't know how the hell it works but whatever the jelly beans spilling out fall out wouldn't that get all over the floor and shit? Like, like first birthdays, it's not about practicality. Right, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. See, I don't even know these things. So and that might even give you an inspiration to create another cake that's like does something even more impractical than that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean exciting, but sure. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean. So, you know, there's definitely um, Facebook groups, Facebook pages, so you can look through, for example, you know, we're in marketing, we might go and see um, what questions and stuff they're being asked, that kind of thing. We can also, for LinkedIn, you've got your LinkedIn groups, um, but also again, company pages. So basically you're looking for, and that's the thing about social media, it's conversations between people. So what other people are posting, that doesn't matter. 
it's the conversations between people. So whether it's, if it's on a page, you're looking not at the post, you're looking at the comments. Yeah. When it's in a group, you're looking at all of that content um, because it's just people talking to each other online and you can, for want of a better word, listen in. <laughs> yeah, or you can, they're like, oh, I loved this supplier because they delivered and they gave me a price up front and they were really easy to deal with and they were able to accommodate this, this and this. So you're like, okay, well, this is what the clients are looking for. This is like a standard that I need to now hold myself to, etc. Yeah. Exactly. And again, then you're going, okay, if they're the sort of things that they're interested in, I also do that. I'm going to promote that because yeah. obviously these are important aspects to that decision-making process for that particular um, ideal client. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So that was how to get to know them and where to get to know them. That's pretty much it. So once you've sit, sat down. And, Why, how, where. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Draw it out. Start tarot. When is right now. When is right now. <laughs> Who is them? We're giving you We've permission. We've answered them all. <laughs> We're giving you permission to stereotype people. That is kind of what marketing is about. We're going to go, we like women this age that do, do this. now. <laughs> <laughs> and that buy this because of these reasons. Our other market that we also enjoy working with is men in this great age group or this industry. It doesn't even have to be a specific person. Like we work in marketing, so we deal with lots of different industries, but obviously the staff, they can change over. Some staff are easier to work with than other people, but you can't really pick a business to do business with because of the people. Yes. Yeah, so so that's a really good point, Lani, that you've got when you're do, talking about your ideal client, sometimes it is a person. Yeah. Sometimes your ideal client is a type of business. Yes. So you might really enjoy working with construction companies who have, you know, they're only zero to 20 staff members because they're a bit more flexible, a bit more nimble. And they're more like, you know, say you're, you're a tech company or something yeah. and you've got software that will streamline any business. Yeah. It could streamline a hairdresser. It could streamline my marketing and could streamline construction but you found in construction that you just find it easier to relate to them they happy to pay top dollar for what you're offering because it has very visible returns for them yeah. you know whatever the reason might be you can see that construction is an industry for you to target and like I said it could be that it's you know, in that, that smaller space because it's easier for them to adopt new technologies. Um, and then you're also looking maybe for ones that only have one or two owners because the decision-making process is so much shorter and simpler. Yeah. Um, and it might be that this is best suited for you to deliver um, you know, in Queensland at the moment because of what's happening. And so you're really establishing a strong foundation there. And then at points you're like, okay, the next best place to go, the next concentration of construction businesses who are like these ones would be WA. Yeah. So I'm going to go and now establish myself there as well. So it can also help you predict the direction that you want your business to go in by knowing who those ideal customers are. Because honestly, you know, I've worked with, I remember working with a um, financial client one time and they were like, we're in finance. Everyone can use our business. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But do you have the money and the time to market to every single person in Australia? No. How about we just start off yeah. with who you really love, just that one, and then do that really well and then replicate it because you can have more than one target market. Yeah, because the scattergun approach, like you putting up advertising or a billboard, like, I want to talk to everyone. Yeah, that's great, but you're not, like, 
by having that scattergun approach, you're, you're not going to target everyone. A visual image might not resonate with me as it would to a different client in a different in industry. So that's really where you do have to use this typecasting and this stereotyping to go, this is who I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. It's not about saying, I don't want to work with anyone else and I refuse to do it. It's like, this is what I know works. I'm going to focus my energy here and then I'm going to replicate it somewhere else. Like Jade said, once you're really happy with how that's working. Yeah. And it is, it's like, you know, like you said about just chucking up a billboard anywhere. Yes. Billboards are big blanket advertising, but you can still be strategic with it. You can go, okay. Like we've got a client who's like, Oh, we're looking at billboards. These are, um, these ones look like they're really good rates. I'm like, cool. Are they in areas where you're trying to target? Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. No. Well, here's one who's in the area that we're trying to target. Excellent. Let's back that up with some digital ads so that once they've seen the billboard, they're getting other touch points, et cetera. You know, we did some press for them as well. And it all culminated in, you know, really strong brand recognition for them with the people that they actually wanted to target rather than just randos. Spoiler alert. This is called a campaign. Yes. Yes, it is. But like, Jade, swat on, like there's, there's this one billboard that I pass every day on my way to work and it probably gets changed m- m- once a month, I'd say at least. And quite often I'm really judgmental with billboards now. <laughs> yeah. If you get into the marketing arena, trust me, you really start to critique everyone's stuff. I imagine it would be different industries. Like if you're into cars and mechanic and that oh, kind of yeah, thing, you'd judge absolutely. people by their cars when you drive past. I'm I, assuming. I diss billboards and marketing activities. It's like our conversation the other day about um, orthodontists and stuff, <laughs> judging people by their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that was an offline one. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> but yeah, this billboard I drive past, I'm like, I hate that they've done this, 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 this wrong <laughs> that's fine they're not talking to me every time yeah. just because i drive past it every day doesn't mean i'm actually the target market oh my god i remember when i was trying to come up with a name for something one time with a friend of mine and she's like oh i really like it but i told it to my partner and he didn't like it and then i was like perfect he's not our target market <laughs> so to me that's just the exact reason why that would work if only we could say that to more clients <laughs> yeah p.s if you come to me do be prepared for bluntness Look, that's why people like doing business with us. We're honest. Yeah, yeah let's, let's say it's that. <laughs> All right, so continuing with my wrap-up, we are typecasting. Um, target markets are just guidelines. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're putting people in boxes, but they're not prison cells. They don't have to stay there. Exactly. This is just to help you hone your marketing message, hone your marketing activities, yeah. and put money and time into things that are more likely to give you the return that you want. Yeah, so you want to put your consumer hat on here and think as those people so you can target them accordingly. We've said it before, but retaining a great customer is far more valuable than throwing that wide net and taking whatever you can get. If you've had a bad customer experience with a client, you know that that has taken far more energy, time, and money than working with a good client can. So Honestly, man, the stress of, you know, negative client relationships, especially if you've got a team, it's really not worth it. Like I recommend so much. I mean, I'm pretty ruthless, but I recommend divorcing anyone who's putting stress on your team, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Commitment phobia. here. (laughs) So as an example, going off my... Beloved specialty baker. Mm-hmm. She loves working with birthday cakes for these special occasions. Um, her perfect clients are mums making those celebratory events. She hates the pressure of wedding cakes, does not market to brides. It's not a service she does because it's not something she enjoys. And that is okay. You can be niche with your clients, with the work you do. You can pick and choose 
they are picking and choosing if they want to do business with you. So it, it, it can go both ways. In business, I honestly recommend, and this is something that I've educated my team on as well, because at the start, when I first bought the business, there were a few clients that I wanted to divorce. And there were a few of them that were, and there's still some of them that get a bit nervous mm -hmm. about me wanting to do that. Whereas I know from experience that when you let go of those negative relationships, because it's not serving the client either. Like, mm. to be honest, it's not just about us. It's not serving them either. Neither of us are happy. Why keep perpetuating it? It makes room for more great clients. Yeah. It makes room to do work like, that you actually enjoy. Almost twice as much, really. Yeah, dude, honestly, like the things that we're working on now, we would not be able to do if we were still servicing some of those. Like, they were massive clients, but they would not the it, nicest people to work with it wasn't working it was we didn't have that chemistry and that is fine we're not greedy we don't we don't think we can do business with everyone that's not what we're out to do and that's it like a couple of those clients like I said those big ones that weren't very nice to deal with with us at the time when I first bought the business I've since you know spoken to their marketing people and all that kind of thing like that and I've got great relationships with a couple of them now you know we really respect each other and stuff we just you know it, we weren't a good fit for what they were wanting because yeah. it was a bit different from marketing so you know it's being brave enough to do that can actually really help your business in so many ways yeah. Yeah, and learning from these situations, super valuable. Absolutely. So look inwards as well as outwards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like you said, getting that feedback and stuff because if there's anything that you can be guaranteed on, it's that there's always room to improve no matter what it is in life. And look, they're likely telling other people if they've had a bad experience. So if you can beat them to the punch, find out what that was and improve on that. If it's an area that does actually need improvement, then that is awesome and that is valuable and you haven't just wasted all your time. Yes. Oh, that's a really good point, Lani. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So that feels like we've ended on a really serious note. But <laughs> birthday cakes, great example. I hope you find Jelly your... beans out. <laughs> <laughs> Finding your ideal customer is really fun um, and it does make for better business. So we really hope that that has benefited you today. So thank you very much for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing and Margaritas. Find more free marketing tips, tricks and laughs at rebelnation.com.au.